This is Courage Cast. More power, less fear, so you can make a difference. Well, 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 I get to talk to a familiar voice in my life. Actually, it harkens me back to my early days on the Walker Stalkers podcast that I used to host, co-host for the Walker Stalker conventions and all of the things that I used to do related to The Walking Dead. I get to talk to Randy Fortunato, formerly known as and no longer recognized as Undead Randy. Randy, welcome to the Courage Cast. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. It's good to be here. The TV show is about Carol, not Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. It was that's the secret that is uh, that nobody knew, but it's really true. Carol true. is the lead character. So I got death threats when I said that. <laughs> I have not watched since season eight, whenever Rick okay. was uh, left the show. Left, yep. Yeah, whenever he left, that was the last I watched it. And I actually did like a goodbye podcast with James. and That's right, I remember that. Yep. Yeah, were you on that? No, I, I listened. You yes. listened, right, yep. okay. Yep. All right. Well, anyway, Randy, that was a long time ago. When it was. First, we've met. You've been at our conventions. You've run some wonderful nonprofit work through yep. St. Jude's with us when we we had you doing that and worked with you on that. But you're working on some really creative projects. It's something I've been following from you for a long time. We've stayed in touch. You've been, yes. Honestly, like what people don't know is anyone who reaches out to me, I'm generally going to stay friendly with. And you've been one of the few remaining of all the people that have come to Walker Stalker Con and I've had an interaction with. You're actually somebody that talks to me still. And if people talk to me, I will talk to them. Like I'm not... Yeah, people shouldn't be shy. You know, you have a lot to offer and, and it's been great following your journey mm-hmm. post Walker Stalker Con. It's, uh, and, you know, some things we'll talk about here today is the Courage Cast and... A lot of the information you share through CourageCast, you know, as far as being entrepreneurial and business-wise, I can relate to, and especially with the things that I've been trying to launch since then. And it really hits home, and it keeps, and a lot of times it keeps me going through tough times. And yeah, so I appreciate it. Anytime I can have somebody that listens to the podcast on, I love it as well. So let's talk about this. So you wrote. Initially, it was going to be one comic book, I think. Correct. You have to clarify yeah. for me, but but it's now become a three part comic book, and I think I have all three in my hands right here. Right, you do. Yes, that's it's the complete edition. Complete that's edition. Yep. Uh, D- decay is what it's called, and you can look it up. You can find it if you look up decay. Fortunato, where where can we find it? It's on Amazon, right? It is on Amazon officially. Yes, initially. As a test run, when we did the first two books, we tried using Blurb Publishing. Yeah. But that was one, too expensive. Talk about lessons learned. Too expensive. And Blurb did not do any marketing for books like this. They seem to push their photography books a lot more. 
So it kind of, I mean, it was a good test and it was good to see the final product in hand. But, you know, I wanted the move to Amazon was so that we could keep the cost down to entice folks to, to try it out. You know, it's, I'm an independent. My name is probably known more regionally than nationally. So to get someone to buy the book and, and read it, you kind of have to make it fair, if well, you know, no one should have to pay $15 for a book from someone they've never heard of before, you know? Right, so, right. yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what the thing, I, I love your pioneering spirit and the fact that you did this, that it's out and it will always be available is tremendous. Like most people don't get to this point. Most people quit or give up. And it is a really, really well done comic book. Thank you. Not not only because I appear in it. In you a, are in it, yes. But the fact that <laughs> I'm looking at the picture now, this is so funny, the, these pictures. <laughs> but um, I, I love how round my face is, but uh, it's good. It's really good. It's um, a I genuine likeness of you. It is. It is. It's very, very kind of you. I'll always treasure this. Um, and you were a hero, actually. You know, you it's tell, tell the readers a little bit about. Sure. Well, the, the the your character, you and actually James are in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, but not as adults. You're as like high school students. Yep. Who like to attend conventions, <laughs> and um, in the in the beginning of the story, we introduce you just like on a news a news piece and actually on the side of a milk carton <laughs> box, you know, it's because both of you have gone missing uh-huh. and, and it turns out that the both of you had become victims of uh, some evil scientist type of things, you know, some experiments, medical experiments. And uh, so you've become mutated and not to give too much away, but at one point the both of you save the heroine of the story and uh, protector, which then comes back later on in book three. But uh, yeah, it's good stuff. You know, it, so uh, it's a sci-fi horror zombie themed. It is. Zombie. Yes. The, one of the driving influences for the story was the, the rumor of the show that we were just talking about walking dead was that one of the major networks wanted to run the show but without less horror more dramatic yep uh and then they ended up on amc and the rest is history so that was one of the challenges i used to write the story was can it be done can a horror story sci-fi horror story be written where the horror part is more of a a vehicle than a primary part of the story. Right. Also, what's unique uh, about this story is that it's not about surviving the, the end of the world or survival post-incident. This story goes into the trigger, what actually happens to cause it all. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that's taboo in the genre, you know, because it's very rarely done. You very rarely see a full explanation of how it all falls apart but i that's what i did and i apologize to any fans of the genre that may be upset by that or turned off by that but it's a multi-layer story the word decay 
isn't just about the decay of society or the decay of the the infected. It's also about the decay of the fa- the main family, the main characters, the decay of so- the the father's life, the decay of the son and the daughter's life, and how choices really can cause. And we we're talking about that before we started re- recording. Choices you make can cause a domino effect that goes out like ripple. Like if you throw a rock in the water, and, it, and there's a ripple effect, and that's really what decay is all about. There's an underlying moral, moral foundation to the story. Would you say? Yes. Decay of morality as well, and where that leads to. Yes, and and also choices people make again, and how good how. What may seem like a good idea or good intentions or something good can be twisted and turned to be used for bad or, or come across as negative mm-hmm. in the end. Whether that's someone's career drive or an act of revenge or uh, in book three, there's a mob scene that's using some of the infected as an example Mm-hmm. Uh, but that example may not be the positive one, you know. So there's a lot of a lot of gray areas that are going around the black and white, and yeah. So it's hopefully it 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 sheds some light on things that are happening around us every day. Unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, um, definitely. All right, let's talk about some lessons for yes. creatives for anyone who's looking to create something on their own. One of the things that you and I were talking about was what can we teach others who are wanting to jump into a creative endeavor like this and an entrepreneurial endeavor like this? Lessons learned. So yes. I'm let you maybe touch on one of them and then let's see how many we can we can discuss and talk about. Sure. It's um well, I guess the first lesson is don't be afraid to do it. You know, it's um, times are different now. Uh, there seems to be a reliance on kind of starting at the top or breaking it in with a huge company. Uh, and then you go from there. And that may intimidate some independent artists. That may intimidate uh, introverts or people who may not be outgoing enough to kind of open that door. Um, yeah. So I would say lesson one is to if you believe in a project or if you have a vision and it, whether it's a comic book or your own business or photography project or music project, whatever, just do it, start working on it, outline it, build that momentum. So what did you uh, learn? Did you, did you, was that something positive for you? Obviously it is. It ended up being a positive thing because you finished this project. Yeah, I, well, I could have given up a few times I chose to put it off to the side. That's yeah. something I learned from you, actually. I think a few things you sent out was, you know, you don't have to quit on something. You can let it rest uh-huh. and then get back to it. And and so that, so that was one lesson that you actually helped me learn. Uh, mm. But um, you, you, you got to find things that will also keep you going to, you know, reactions from people who have, you know, heard what the project was about, you know, just their interest kind of helps you fuel to go on. Or once yeah. we got the first book out, the 
feedback and comments. Yeah. Really wanted me to finish it and flush it out into the, the product that it is now. But there were some tough lessons to learn as well because originally originally I wanted it to be like a, a film. Mm. But I had people interested, but again, there's well, back when I was in college in the old days, prehistoric yeah. prehistoric era. We're about the same age. I'm a little old. <laughs> As far as creative things, there used to be a time when I could be in a diner having a sandwich and I could talk about some ideas and then three or four people would overhear it. They would have a similar interest or skills that we, you know, we'd have a, a connection with what we did. And then three days later, we would do the project, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it wasn't about trying to make a million dollars or become famous. It was, we just wanted to do the project and then take yeah. that project and, and show it and, and try to see where we, where you take it uh, yeah. and, and then try to build it from there. Unfortunately, six years ago or so, when I tried to recruit some helpers, it was more like the first reaction I would get was like, well, how much are you going to pay me for this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was always more than what I could afford to pay. Because uh, right, right. one thing to keep in mind when you do an independent project, no one's going to hand you a check. No one's going to give you a budget and say, you know, recruit the talent you need and get it done. Mm-hmm. This is going to, your project is going to come out of your funds, your extra money. You're going to be eating mac and cheese many nights. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're not going to get the top beers. You're going to be drinking the, the uh, Schlitzes. <laughs> I used to love hams. <laughs> hams, beer. When I was a kid. Jägermeister. Uh, kid, but, uh, yes. oh, yeah, well, that's a whole other story. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, so, point, the point is, you're going to need to sacrifice yes. something yeah, yes. in order to get this project done. And Time and money, yes. Time and money. And, and don't be afraid to pivot because you obviously realized it was going to be too expensive to make this into a movie, which Correct. is a really big endeavor. Like a lot of times people say, go big or go home kind of thing. I even have a podcast episode titled that, but that's not what we mean by big. Like I love a big idea and maybe this will be a movie one day, but I also, I would prefer it to be, let's get started. Let's just, yeah. let's complete something that will get us started. Like the Walking Dead TV show, an empire that it is, wouldn't have even started if they hadn't, if the first uh, comic book hadn't come out. Correct, you know? Robert Kirkman, yeah. Yeah, Robert Kirkman, if he hadn't have created that. So, and it had many iterations. Yeah, it had stages. a lot of cool things. It, um, well, it developed. It wasn't, it wasn't the same thing as the first, like the, the, even the artist was different. Correct. The illustrator was different along the way. So, yep. And you're right. It is. It's it, one of the, you know, another lesson I had to learn was to compromise and not just compromise with other people, but compromise with yourself. So you have to recognize, you know, like I said, it's a lot of times you have a very lofty end goal in mind, but you have to compromise with yourself and be honest with yourself at some point and just say, okay, well, that this is certainly not going to happen today. And then you kind of step back on the sidelines and you figure out, well, how can it 
B, you know, how can we get this done? So then the second attempt was to do what is called a digital motion comic. So it's a cross between stills and then some objects in the stills move. It's it's, a try. Yeah. You try to bring it to life and, and I met a team of artists who agreed to use it as their internship to finish off the, the school's Montserrat College of Art in Beverly, Massachusetts. I've had a relationship with them for many years. Unfortunately, the, and this is where you learn to compromise with other people, they were very confident that they could get it done. There was no lack of excitement or ambition on their part. Right. It was just they just did not have the resources at the college to the, get it done. Financial resources or time resources? or they, The time plus the technology. Oh, okay. To the, even the comic book that's, or the book in its form now, uh, I have time-lapse videos out on YouTube of the artist working. And there's so much that goes into creating these images digitally. Mm-hmm. It's mind-blowing. So unfortunately, the original team just didn't have the right technical resources to do it. No fault of their own. They live within the book. Uh, so there's, for example, two characters, Ben and Victoria. Those were actual artists that were part of the original team. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Victoria, actually, I remain in contact with artist Victoria, and she has done some side work. She has consulted on the story. Mm-hmm. I've shown her art you know, along the way, and she's provided feedback. So she has still been a part. You know, and then the company, Sam Labs, that's featured in the book, that is actually named after artist um, Sam Velasquez. Mm-hmm. So, so the you, uh, yeah. included all these people in. Yeah, it's um, well, I like just you know, I care about anyone that I try to work with. I really do generally care about them, despite any outcomes. And especially in book one, when I thought that that was going to be it, I wanted to pay tribute to everyone as as much as possible. So you and James are in there. The artists are in there. Greg Nicotero even makes an appearance, you know, as a barkeep. I did not know that. Yes, that's Greg Nicotero. <laughs> that is funny. Greg um, Nicotero, for those of you, he's the he's the one that makes the zombies look the way they do, and he's the head of he was the head of special effects, and now he's one of the main directors. And yes, he's a gene, pure genius, the genius. man's amazing. Oh, yeah, he's done many more things outside of The Walking Dead too. Yep. But anyway, yes. So I wanted to pay tribute. So there's a lot of tributes out there, whether they're personal or just people I've interacted with. Yeah. You know, and, and a couple of scenes in there are like that That barkeep scene is actually a, a tribute to Chris Carter who mm-hmm. created the X-Files series. Yeah. Because he was known for having, doing these serious storylines, but then having this weird out of the, bizarre scene, you know, this cheeky humor type of thing. And uh, so I tried to mix that in. But then, but what's great about that is people have actually connected with these characters because of that. You know, they really loved it. So so it kind of expands the the, the project. And so it's not just... uh, And it's, uh, you know, like I say, it's not like a Google algorithm... It's not a marketing tool. I didn't create this based on spreadsheets or formulas or 
It doesn't to, necessarily benefit you in any way to do that. Right. right. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, so we pushed and we got, you know, we, we didn't quite do it with the original team. So I again set the project back on the back burner. Yeah. Then 2020 hit and I ended up losing my day job, which freed up a lot of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and after talking with the editor, Gary Barth, who is actually someone I grew up with, he grew up around the corner from me back in the old days. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, uh, he was cleaning out his parents' house and he found some other comic book scripts that I wrote back when I was in high school. And he was like, hey, look, you know, look what I found. And, and then I was like, you know what? I should do Decay as a comic book, just a straight mm-hmm. 2D traditional comic book. Mm-hmm. I went to a website called Upwork. Yes. Which is all indie artists and gig workers and put an ad there. The artist Miranda Leeson replied. Mm -hmm. She lives on the West Coast in the Portland, Oregon area. I've never met her in person. We've had, for a year and a half, we had one weekly phone call, non-video, so I don't even know what she looks like. And she pieced together all this great artwork the, the timing was right, I guess. You know, she not only was able to do such amazing work on the art, but she took the original art team's sketches and rough drafts and she kept the same feel as that through through all three books. Yeah, I couldn't uh, even tell the difference. I think she did a great job. Really yeah, great job. She's just phenomenal, you know, and, and a lot of the work, sure, she was working off a script a lot of cases, but a lot of the work she produced, that's exactly how I saw it when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. So this weird chemistry really happened and, and it locked in. And so that was the right choice to make was to pivot, as you said, alter the project and understand that nothing's you know, permanent. I can always grow it from there. Mm-hmm. So everything lined up and there it is. <laughs> yeah. And then you, uh, what are some other lessons learned, positive or negative? Or I don't believe that there are actually any negative lessons. I think that all things are for your good. Yes. So even though it's painful financially or emotionally or in whatever way, sometimes even those lessons are good. As long as they don't lead to fear and withholding things and, and moving into a place of abundance. So I'm just curious, what other lessons would you say you've learned? Well, it's once you get going, don't stop. And like I said, don't be afraid to go into uncharted waters. I had never done a comic book before, but it was clearly the right choice, clearly the right choice. You know, and then when the project gave me the opportunity to to finish the story or, or write more of the story. A lot of the feedback, you know, a lot of the, I call them the faithful 22. Why? Uh, 22 people? 22 people or so, give or take one or two, um, that fought, supported me from the start and was in my corner, encouraged me to get done. And that's maybe one lesson is to make sure you have a support group. It doesn't necessarily have to be your best friend or your family. People out there 
have been great. They connected to one character in particular, which I wasn't expecting. And this would have never happened had you not put yourself out there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And unanimously, they all connected with this one character, mm. which actually led me to deleting the original story for book two and rewriting the whole thing from the point of view of the character who is mm. the, the female character, Scout. And that was... Yeah. Yeah. And and that was a challenge for me, obviously being an old man. <laughs> it's uh how do you write a story from the point of view of a high school girl? But it seemed to work. People enjoyed it. Uh people wanted more. There's a follower on Instagram that says that Scout is her spirit animal. And mm. every time we released a promo image, we would get reactions from her and she was very invested in the character and in the story, which makes it all worthwhile. You know, yes. it's when, even if it's just one person that you can reach out to, mm-hmm. you know, especially when Miranda and I would actually, we got to a point where we'd kind of tease things and do promotional images that may or may not be exactly what's happening. And we would get the reaction. Mm hmm. Just kind of confirming that there's still everyone's still on board. Everyone's still emotionally invested in this character and cares about this character. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it's um, and learn you know I guess learn to accept the outcome. You know, yeah. it's even if you get critical feedback, you know, criticisms or mm-hmm. or whatnot, you listen to it and you make your adjustments and you move from there. Um, Someone, when just book one and two were out, someone made a comment that it would have been a better read if it was all in one volume. Uh-huh. And so I took that, I stored that in the back of my mind, you know, because at the time we were actually finishing and working on book three. So when we finished book three, I told Miranda, I said, well, we need to also create a complete volume. Mm-hmm. So yes, You'll get nuggets like that. That's super fun. And it's got to be the journey. So, Yeah. So it's got to be really rewarding now to kind of have this project. Tell me how it feels going through this now. What are you feeling and what are you emboldened to do next? <laughs> well, it feels good. You know, in a way, I wish Opaque Media, which is the umbrella company that I said it was published by. I wish it was a real company, you know, and I wish Miranda and Gary were actual real employees of the company to kind of enjoy the the post-release feedback and, and you know, with me. It's, uh, you know, Gary works for a newspaper in Worcester. Miranda is an independent artist, so they've moved on to their other jobs and other things. But I am proud. I'm proud of learning to trust these folks with uh, my ideas. That was another thing I, you know, Miranda proved herself so much in book one that in book two, I didn't even write a formal script. I just wrote some shorthand script and I told her that book two was hers. So I- I I love that. Yes, I hope so. Yes, she embraced that same character, Scout, as well. So, and that's what book two is mostly about: is Scout. So it focuses on Scout. So she was thrilled to, 
have me trust her enough to say, I'm not going to tell you how things will look. This is all yours. This is your chance to make your mark. Yeah. And in a way, that was the spirit of the original project. When I was working with the interns at the art college, the hope was to get a final product, introduce them to the connections I've made through the Walker Stalker convention, whether they were writers or artists themselves, so they can stand up and say, hey, this is our work. You know, so it really wasn't me you know, or my project. I really wanted it to be a platform for someone to push their work to, to another level as well. So I kept that with Miranda, even though she is an established artist, um, an independent worker. But book two is hers, and I'm very proud of that. And I can't say enough good things about Miranda. Mm. I call her the curse breaker because <laughs> we were able to get three, you know, the three books out of it. And it's kind of neat to, you know, if in 2019, if you came up to me and said, hey, Randy, you know, you're going to have a published book on Amazon. I would probably say no way. <laughs> you know, there's no way it's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. You know, it's um, and I guess a, another lesson to learn is when something bad happens, like losing your day job see the opportunity sorry for the long pause see the opportunity in that yeah you know so i lost the job but the pandemic and lockdown also happened yeah i wasn't going to be going anywhere mm -hmm. i was home i had the time so i saw the opportunity to do this and that's in a way it was a gift from god you know a gift from the heavens uh a you know whatever you want to call it but it was so that negative situation actually turned into something very positive. And every independent artist needs to see opportunities like that. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and just say, okay, this is the mark. This is what I'm going to do. And then you just execute from there. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those rare cases where I remember in 2008, a lot of people shifted once the financial crash happened. That was a pretty big shifting point. I remember yep. before that, 2001... September 11th was was kind of a big shifting point for people and exactly like 2020 and 20 really 2021 we're still in it we're still it's, in it yeah we're still in it in many ways the shifting of the sands and seeing those as opportunities and really maximizing what those opportunities give you and you've really done that with this project and you'll always remember this as a time when you were able to finally make that shift and believe in what is possible and look at those roadblocks as really as opportunities to springboard you forward. Yes. And what it, I really liked about what you're saying is you were able to shift your thinking to how can I make this a reality? Yes. yes, exactly. Because it's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. Right. Yes, you had the lofty, I had the lofty goal, but it was also more important for me to share the story with people. And it was more important for me to get it done. And, you know, from here, what I'm going to start doing is now that the books are published and I have something tangible, I'm going to go to animation studios and try to do a pitch and then see if I can take it up to the next level as an animated film. And to the fans who have, have read the book and have all three books and enjoy it, there's actually a whole section of story we didn't get to. So there is more story. And I hope to 
that part of this, the the unreleased part of the story will go into the animated film. So that's kind of, if I want to release this, it needs to come into a film. Yeah. You know, I'm already prepared for the rejections and the non-callbacks and yeah. 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 And, but that's part of the whole thing. And, and then eventually, hopefully everything will fall into place again and we'll get it done. And it may be a straight to DVD or straight to streaming situation. That's okay. But like so now I can try to go up to the next level and see where it can go. And yes, and that's for every artist. It's it may be more important to just get something out, even if it's a different medium you've never worked in or something that's not in your comfort zone, because this certainly wasn't in my comfort zone <laughs> and mm-hmm. and um drove me mad <laughs> sometimes common, at some point. Common theme. <laughs> a common theme with everybody is getting out of your comfort zone. That's the whole point of Courage Cast and the Courageous Community is helping people to see that on the other side of uncomfortable is usually something very good. Success. Yeah. And I would consider this a success. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm super proud of you, Randy. Uh, this was good time that we got you on here. And we're going to be following the future of decay and where that goes possibly in movie form streaming form however you need to keep me updated and we'll continue to celebrate the progress of how you're leveraging each little bit of success each little opportunity to progress it forward and never stop moving Excellent. Exactly. Never stop moving. And it was great catching up with you and keep feeding me nuggets of inspiration and encouragement as well through CourageCast and on Twitter and Instagram. And yeah, it's meant a lot to me and it's really gotten me through a lot of the tough times on this project. So <laughs> it's definitely worthwhile. Oh, buddy. Well, thanks for staying in touch with me and doing your part because that's really bad at staying in touch with people, but you've always reached out and that that means a lot to me. So I'm super grateful to call you friend and uh, keep encouraging you in your journey. Excellent. As long as you want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Thank you very much. And uh, You bet. Everyone needs to listen to Cards Cast. Yeah, Eric thanks, is, is amazing. And anyone that's starting out fresh, don't be afraid. Do it. And then get nuggets from Eric like I did and it'll keep you going. <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, this is a testimonial right here. You just wrote it for me. You bet. Randy, I'm going to put links to the book in the show yes. notes and I'll put links to your Instagram and Twitter so people can stay in touch with you. Is that good? Perfect. Yeah. And if you need the links, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do it. Excellent. Thank Randy you very Fortunato, much. Thanks for joining us for the Courage Cast. You've been a privilege and a blessing to have on the podcast, but just a friend in general. Take care. Cool. Thank you. Take care.